What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David Sinclair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the Sinclair Speaks show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David. St. Clair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks Show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. Guys, this is the first episode officially of the St. Clair Speak Show podcast live. In this episode, guys, I have the honor to sit down with Jeannie Smith. We're going to be talking about so much things as far as her industry, her background in business, what she's doing to impact the world, the traditional business storytelling. But before we begin, I want you guys to, if you, if you have a chance to see this on your news, what I want you to do is if you have questions and you've seen to watch this interview from start to finish, please type it right there in the comment description below. So we'll answer the questions toward the end of the episode. So if you have questions for the last five to 10 minutes of this interview, and if you've seen this previously recorded, you don't catch the live. Feel free to catch the replay. Reach out to Jeannie. I'm going to have her contact info in the episode description. So I hate to have a guest on the show. They dive into the story. They drop all these gems. Everyone gets so much value from it, but everyone feels disconnected because you don't connect. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to bridge the gap. And I want you guys to reach out to Jeannie. And um, if there's anything that I could do is connect people. And that's what I'm here to do. So really excited to dive into this episode of the Same Quay Speak Show podcast. Without further ado, Janie Smith, I want to welcome you onto the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. But before we get started, please give us an introduction on yourself, your brand, your business. I took all my I took all of my talking points off the board. And I was looking for it, and then I remembered what we said. Oh, if it goes left, we'll just swing it. We'll just swing it. So, Janie, this is me just swinging it. But I really want to introduce you on. I want to thank you for being my first official live guest. I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. Believe it or not, real talk. And I, I, I'm really honored. So welcome to the podcast. What brings you on? Thank you so much for having me. Um, when you asked me, is it okay if we go first? I'm like, let's do it. I'm all about that. Take a risk, take a chance. And hey, if I could be your first dude, let's do it, right? <laughs> so um, thank you for having me. Um, this is my honor. I, I've listened to several of your your episodes and I love your energy. I love your excitement and I love... Um, what you just said about connecting people, making that connection and how together and connected we can make a huge difference in the world. And that's really what my mission is. Um, So I've been in human resources for, yes, people can't believe this when I say this, but over 30 years and the last three decades running my own business. I set my business up in 2005. And my goal was to go out and really um, partner with leaders to enhance their ability to show up differently with their staff, build those relationships differently. So one, they can retain employees, they can keep costs down, they can really build their business. And in, in, And at the same time, they actually build an amazing relationship with themselves. 
And that's really where it needs to start. And so um, human resource consultant, coach, uh, trainer, and I think that might be it right now. Hope I answered the question. Let's, let's, let's unpack all of this, right? Let's talk about the HR experience, right? Yeah, I know there's the good, the bad, the ugly, but there's a lot of life-changing opportunities because, you know, HR is the glue, right? If you don't have HR, you really don't have a solid business. You don't have a solid system. Whenever an employee has an issue, hey, take it up with HR. Did you talk to HR? HR is literally the 911 when it comes to business. What is that like for you? And I love that you say that. I love how human resources has evolved because when I started, they'd be the party planners. Oh, go to HR if you want to have a party. I'm like, look, I am so not the party planner. I love how it's evolved. Definitely the glue, definitely the bridge between employee and management. And for me, it's always been, I... I would be a open source and open space, open door for staff and leaders. Be that um, sounding board. And I would not just take their monkey on my back. I'd give the monkey back and we would learn how to together to solve a problem. So in a sense, I would play the coaching role of trying to have them figure out what the issue is. And we all know well, maybe we don't all know, but I know that we that everybody has the answers within. So I would coach those answers out of them because everyone in this world, regardless of whether you run an organization as a CEO or you run your household as a as a stay at home mom or dad, or you run a soccer league for your kid's school or whatever it is. You I guess a league is not at the school, but you know what I'm saying, that you are a leader. So Everyone's a leader of their own life and every um, the decision, the, the answers are within. It's just sometimes we need to have somebody to talk to to help pull those things out. And that's been my major role in my career in human resources for the last 30 years is partnering with people to determine how they're going to up their game. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about upping your game. So you've been in this line of business since 2005. It's 2021. What is the big difference for 2005, right, to now? Like, what's the big difference in your industry that you're seeing? Or, like, any, like, big changes? So it's actually been longer than that. I started in human resources in 1988-something, like 1988. But the 2005 in my own business, running my own uh, HR consulting firm, so many changes, so many. And in California with HR compliance laws, I mean, it, right now, even making the leaders are making the decision to bring staff back or not. Employees are deciding, hey, am I going to come back to work or not? Like now it's like a personal decision. My they don't want to be told what to do. I was sitting donating blood the other day and the guy next to me, he's a developer, an engineer. He said, you know, my, I'm really stressed out. My manager is making me come back to work in July. I'm stressed out about it. I don't feel I'm comfortable. I said, wow, you know, I, this is a real issue for human resources right now. So just think about that. The question was, well, how has it changed? I mentioned like party planner to having a, a seat at the strategic table. You know, the, the board meetings, that's very important that HR has a spot there. And I think over the last 30 years, they've definitely 
guaranteed they have a spot. They're a necessary um, role in every organization. Um, and this particular example of where employees right now after the pandemic, how are you going to run your business differently? I mean, we really have to look at the human centric aspect of it 100%. You cannot run your business solo. I mean, as an entrepreneur, you might be able to, but not really, not successfully. You still have to outsource things. Um, but I think as an organization, the decisions need to be um, made from a human centric perspective where you're looking at all everyone involved. And what does this mean for people? And we can get into the, you know, this the whole um, area of inclusion and diversity and making sure that voice is heard. That's where we've really evolved. And those leaders who are truly in front of that and not just putting in a diversity and inclusion program to do it and check the box off, that doesn't solve the problem, but really understanding what is the issue and allowing everyone to feel a sense of inclusion, a sense of belonging, a sense of connection. That's really how organizations are going to succeed. You make a very good point about you know, employers experiencing a little resistance when it comes to people, you know, either going back to the office or staying, standing their ground with remote working. Because, I, you know, it, it's so interesting because I literally, prior to this interview, I've had an interview that went really, really well. And the last 10 minutes was, would you mind coming into the office? <laughs> you know, like, like, what we just learned for the last year, the entire world, was literally on a standstill. We had to literally force ourselves to go remotely, and it worked. And it worked. Um, so I want to know. I want to know. Tell tell me a little bit more about that. Like, if businesses are seeing success from the remote standpoint, why is it necessary to have the office and the overhead? And first, like Margaret could get the job done in her robe at home. She doesn't need to travel two hours. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, great question. And this is it. I have, I know organizations that are 100% remote. They have been 100% remote for the last 20 years and beat their, their goals. They've out, been in outstanding, um, organizations at financial success. And those leaders had an open mind to one, trust their staff. No. So let me back up just a second. I remember people telling me, leaders telling me, well, they can't work remote. Well, why not? Well, because they'll be doing their laundry during the day. So what? Well, they might be like uh, making lunch for their kid. And your point, like the beauty of that is if you can blend work and um, and personal life, you're that much more productive. If if I can do my laundry on t at Tuesday at 10 and and I throw it in and I come up and I have a chat with you or I'm on a call at or let me say I throw it in at 9:50 and I come into a call with you at 10 o'clock and then I go back and put it in the dryer at 11. What's the harm? But I had a leader tell me that. Well, they'll be doing laundry during the day. So what? So to your question, yes, because it was it was a necessity. Everybody was thrown into remote work. And guess what? Didn't they meet your expectations? Wasn't it surprising how people adapted? Sure, we hear those stories of the baby on the lap and and so what? Like they were still getting their job done. So I always go back to performance. 
What is not getting done? How do you measure someone's work? You measure their work by setting goals. You communicate that, that the goals, you coach them through the process. You poke holes in the system to peek in and see what's working and what's not. And then you evaluate them on their performance. Who cares about what's going on? Who cares if I did laundry at 10? And so I think to answer your question, it comes down to trust. Trust, building that relationship and that connection with your staff where you know what? You know what? My, and communicating. Oh, my goodness. Communication can't be more important. You communicate what's important to you. Don't assume Jeannie knows it. Don't assume that Joe whatever, right? You actually communicate your expectations. You give the individual a chance to ask questions. You coach them through the process. And then when they don't meet those expectations, you talk about what happened. What, what went wrong here? What do you think we could do differently? Get their input, right? And, and the problem is, I think a lot of managers assume that others know what they're thinking and they don't communicate directly and confidently. And they, they don't follow up. They don't, they don't, like I mentioned, poke holes in the system and peer in and see like where they can help. They don't have regular meetings with their staff. They don't have that direct, um, continuous relationship. And that's where it might fail remotely. But when you have that and you, you it's amazing what you staff will do for you. And it, it's amazing. I, I can guarantee your expectations will be exceeded. When you give somebody length and you let them thrive and you you coach them through the process, you'd be amazed at what they come back with. It's incredible. You make, you make a very good you make a very good point. So prior again, prior to this interview, I was on an interview and you know, the employer asked me, you know, what would you do in a situation where you had to build your own business? What who's the first person you hire and why? HR. Without question, HR. HR. Because I know I'm, there's a lot of hurdles that I could avoid because of HR and establishing that. And you also talked about, you know, the trust. You know, a lot of people, you know, there are some employers that hire employees that they don't trust. Why hire me if you don't trust me, right? Like, you know, but I think it comes down to an HR. It's more of like an HR issue. The more, you know, I'm listening to this interview and I'm interviewing you, I think of all of my previous employers the HR system was just wrong. And I feel like if you have a strong, that's I really like this interview right now because I've, I've experienced the, the good, the bad, the ugly of just good HR versus bad HR. So a really good HR is going to, you know, really get a good staff. Everyone's going to be on point. The communication is going to be there. All of that's going to work out. Uh, so in this interview, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned to him, I'm like, look, you know, as you're interviewing me, I, I did three days of interviews because it was a day one, day two, day three. Uh, yesterday was a group interview, and there were three of their current employers that was doing a group interview. And I was telling him, I'm like, as you guys were interviewing me, subconsciously, I'm paying attention to how your current employees treat each other, how they talk to people. Like, I'm looking for the red flags early, early, red flags early in these job interviews because mm -hmm. I am not trying, look, you know, I've worked on Wall Street. I worked at Westchester, New York. I'm not trying to wait six months into uh, an employer to to find out that there's no communication between leadership and management with HR because there was a lot of times where I worked for jobs for years 
there was no type of, you know, back and forth in terms of just communication. And the whole, they lost so much importance because of that. So you make a really good point, but I also want to talk about, uh, you know, the, the culture, the work-life culture, the, 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 what's, you know, what's, I don't want to say what's good, what's frowned upon, what do we need to see more of in order for us to run a successful business, whether it's, you know, a, a, a franchise or a small business? Mm. Culture is key. Culture will make or break your organization. And everyone, every organization out there has a culture. And I've met leaders who are like, oh, we don't have a culture. Oh, you do. You just haven't defined it yet. There's a culture. So I want to back up just a second. You mentioned you were on an interview. And this is something leaders should be well aware of, that the modern interviewee, those who are looking for jobs right now, are, are going in, they're, at, they're getting a gut feel. And this is what I used to do. If I was sitting, I was being hired for or being considered for an HR director job. So I was sitting in the lobby and I'm checking it all out. First of all, like, how does it feel? Just like the feng shui, whatever, right? Like, what vibes am I getting? And then how... What, how was I greeted? And then how is this go, going in the interview? Like you start, you hear the, and all the candidates are hearing what's happening. And then they're coming in with a ton of questions like you. I'm not going to wait six months to figure out what's going on here. I want to know I'm making the right decision. And so that comes back to culture and it comes back to human resources and how they are actually positioning the candidate from the very beginning. It starts in the ad for the job. What is what are we like? Like if if you do this, this, and this, and this, you might fit our culture, right? So you the culture has to be identified. And how you do I've 20 something, yeah. Sometimes I can't think I can't even believe that I say, oh, 20, 30 years ago when I and I was working then. I don't feel that old. <laughs> um, but I look back and I worked with an organization, a um startup a startup software um, development organization, and we established the culture. There's a process of going through that, really identifying what is that we do? Why do we do it? Who do we do it for? And then looking at every single process in the organization and does it support that, that culture? For example, if we were a culture like, mm, I'll just say, I don't want to say any company names, but really, really large software company. If we were a culture like that, um, that has been successful for many, many years. Um, what is it that um, we need to change? So let's take a look at the recruitment process. So if we would normally recruit people because we met them at happy hour or we met them in this networking group. And I don't know, they're super cool. It seemed to get along with her really well. Let's bring her in. Okay, she's cool. Let's hire her. But we haven't gone through a thorough process of making sure that they are a good fit, not just that they can do the job. Those are kind of the, the, um, like the hard skills, the, um, uh, what they know, what they learned in school, what they have the experience doing. And the soft skills are like Simon Sinek says, the human skills, the behaviors, the the values, like you really need to, to evaluate and ask questions that support those as well. And I'm sure you've heard of behavioral, behavioral based interview questions. Well, that's how you come up with those answers and really determining what kind of person they are. Because I'll tell you, back to the question about what has evolved, 
people, individuals, they have evolved. Uh, so they are, they're becoming so mindful. They're well aware of what their values are and what, what um, their worth is and what they want to contribute. And they want that in return. And so they're coming in savvy, asking questions. And so the business leaders have to be also asking the right questions to make sure it's a good fit. And so culture, yes, it's so important and will make or break an organization. I mean, this is a, this is a really good conversation. Would you say the interviewee should go into an interview, interviewing the employer as well, so they don't waste six months? Hundred percent. And I so so I've interviewed, oh my gosh, in all my years of human resources, thousands of people. So I would tell them this is what we're going to do during this hour or this day. You're going to meet with me. You meet with so-and-so and so-and-so. Maybe you're going to meet with the head of engineering and you'll talk about this and here. And I made sure that everyone on my team that was interviewing a candidate didn't ask the same questions. So we would plan ahead. You're going to touch on this. I'm going to touch on this. I'm going to talk about problem solving. You're going to talk about decision-making, what have you. And really, and then we would meet at the end and talk about the candidate. The same thing for the, and, and when I interviewed them, I would say, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you some questions. I have a series that I ask all candidates because I wanted to be fair and consistent. And then there's going to be a chance for you to ask questions. And I'll tell you those candidates that sat there and said, I have no questions. I wouldn't even consider them any further. What do you mean? You don't have any questions. Are you going to get into a relationship with someone? Any, they're all relationships this is a long-term relationship. We're not going to hire you for six months until you figure us out. What questions do you have about us? It also told me whether they did their homework or not. And so the candidates who come in and they know something about the organization, maybe they know something about the head of HR or everyone they're interviewing with even better, but maybe they figured out like, oh, I see that this organization's going to do this in the next three months. Let me, let me give them some um, let, let me let them know that I know about that and that this was how I would contribute to that change in the organization. So already adding value in the interview is important. And absolutely, if you don't ask questions, I don't know if I would consider you to move forward in the process, but I also think you're doing yourself a disadvantage. Ask a million questions. Love that. I really love that. I love that. So I want to, my next question is, um, about management, uh, management and leadership, because, you know, those are two sentences for me based on my personal experience. I've had great managers who were great leaders and some of the total opposite. So I want to know from the HR standpoint, if you were to build a company right now and you're looking for a really good leader um, that could, you know, could manage and run a team, what are some qualities that you look for in that leadership role? Because just because you you know your job title is general manager, manager does not make you a leader. Because I've you know I've worked with people who, who didn't know how to lead themselves, and the rest of the team fell, and we fell flat on our faces. And when we're in a situation where we got to reach goal, we got to reach numbers. Back to what you said a little earlier about the communication about these weekly meetings. These meetings aren't happening. We're not knowing what's going on with the numbers. Then like when it's closed out five days prior to the end of the month. We're stuck like, oh, we all got to come in and do closeout because the, our leader, our manager, a.k.a. management and leadership, there is no communication there. So what are some qualities that you look for? I'm assuming the first thing is going to be communication because if you don't, got, you don't have that, but I'm anything else. So talk to us about that. 
Um, So communication and communication can be broken down in a handful of different ways. And I think skills associated with communicating. And so some people can say, oh, I'm a good communicator. I send an email out once a week. Nope. You're a good written communicator. But what else is there to that? So oral and written communication. Can you can you express yourself in a conversation where people are like where they're not saying what did he just say? What did she just say? How have you ever listened to people and you're like, what? <laughs> get to the point. So they can be concise. They can get to the point. They need to be confident enough to be able to stand up and say, this is what I need. This is what the organization needs. They also need to be able to call out the BS when it's BS. They have to be able to address those issues with, there's always going to be issues with employees. We're humans. They do human things. Sometimes we make human mistakes. The leaders need to be able to address that. They can't brush it under the rug. So um, address that in oral and written communication. So they need to have, they end so confident enough, but the most important communication skill of all time, listen, listen, And so many leaders throw out a million questions and then they're just waiting for the answers, but they're not listening to the answer at all. So if you're going to ask an employee their opinion, you ask probing questions that will drill down to more answers. Those are those behavioral based questions and interview questions I was talking about, but also just learn these like different ways to ask questions to get to the answer that you need and want for the organization. Um, Then sit back and listen, truly listen, and then paraphrase what the person said. Because now guess what? You You are letting them know that you heard them, you understood them. That is the number one communication skill. Listen, and then, then let them know what you just heard. And they'll say, that is not what I said, or maybe that's what I said. That wasn't what I mean. Let's clarify that. So you're continually talking about um, coming to, or you're talking until you can get clear on exactly what is needed on both sides. I often say, okay, so we just talked about this, this, and this. Um, tell, Can you, in your own words, come back and tell me what I just said? Like I know that sounds so basic and simple, but sometimes it gets scooted in our head and we do not understand what the other person said or our takeaway is so different. I mean, I can say that for me and my husband. I'll say something and he says something else. I'm like, you know, mm-mm, that's not what we should do. That's not. No, 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 no. You misunderstood. Right. And so that's I always sorry, Mike, but I always throw him under the bus at some point. Um, so it's really important. So, yes, back to you. As a leader, and leaders, leadership and management are two different roles. And so a leader, really, if people are following you under any circumstances, if they're willing to go out of their way to help you, you have proven to them that you can lead them. And it's not only lead them into, into good things, but out of bad things. And that you are willing, willing to stand up and say, I screwed up, I made a mistake but you're coming in with 
examples of how it can be fixed. And that's really, if you're willing to do that, you're willing to show up and be vulnerable and, and show up authentically, guess what? Your staff feels comfortable doing that too. And so I've met so many leaders who have to put their leadership hat on. They walk in, they have to stay strong all day. You're human. We can't do that. Nothing is perfect. You don't just have to communicate the good. You also have to communicate the bad, right? And everything in between. Communicate, communicate, communicate. So I know I went to town on that one, but that is the most important element of a leader and a manager is to communicate. You have yeah, to be able know, to trust and be trusted. But go ahead. Did you have a question? No, I was going to say that works in personal and business relationships. Everything. Everything. That's exactly right. So I've spent my career helping leaders in business, but I'm realizing that when you learn those basic skills, I shouldn't call them basic because it's it's it takes time to really master it. But when you do, your life changes when you can communicate directly and confidently with everyone. And that ties over into your personal life and it will change your life completely. But you also let's say since we're stuck on communication, you have to you have to manage your own self-talk. Like, what are we doing? Remember, we started this conversation. I'll turn it. It's internal. Like everything we maybe that wasn't this conversation, <laughs> but everything is internal. It has to start here. So if you want to be a good leader, what's going on in here? And it's in your heart and your soul. And if you can fix that, then this starts changing the way that you think differently, the way that you show up, the way that you can actually stop, take a deep breath and respond versus react. Because you can't take those the, the, the feelings people have when you react to them. You can't take that back. But when you respond the way that you want to respond, smooth sailing, right? And that comes all back. It comes right back to just communicating with yourself and your self-talk. So there's, I could write five books on communication and communicating with yourself and others. I think it's, um, it's key. No, it's, it's huge. Uh, there's two points I do want to make. Um, yeah, I heard, uh, you know, Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary uh, from Shark Tank mentioned this on Clubhouse. And someone asked him about his hiring process. And I found this really interesting. I want to share this with you. I want to know your thoughts. So he mentioned that he would hire someone under a probation period for 90 days. 90 days. And, and of course, it's going to be a high-paying position. You have 90 days to show up or you're getting out. Because mm. he mentioned that he doesn't want to keep anyone who can't do the time. We don't want to find out, as we mentioned before, six months later on down the road. But like hearing that, I'm like, wait, I think I want to do that with everyone now. Uh, internship, et cetera, have everyone on a 90-day probation period. If you could give me 100% in 90 days, you're worth keeping long term. You can't give me that in those 90 days, but it's a high-paying position. So I want to know, with these entry-level positions, these really attractive you know, in a year you can make X amount of dollars. Do you think that protocol is standard, like a 90-day probation period for employers? So I can speak for California employment law. We were never allowed to use the word probationary period. Um, and I'm in California. So um, they're more, we are more strict here and more pro-employee than any other state in the nation. Um, or we were. And um, we call it a 90-day introductory period. 
I highly recommend it. You talk about it early on. You talk about it in the advertisement. You talk about it in the job interview. You tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them, talk to them, communicate with them about what that 90-day introductory period means. And so this is what's expected of you the first three days. This is expected of you the first week and a half. This is what we're going to evaluate after one month, two months, three months. It's very common. It's highly recommended. It's a great way. I also have, though, unfortunately, experienced, I think I've experienced everything in human resources. On the 95th day, I don't know what happened. The person took off their like um, acting hat and all. I was like, what? Are, they were stellar. And then all of a sudden they got comfortable at 95 days. And I'm like, what the, what the just happened here? So again, you never know. And so you, you, it's not that they now have a job forever. The other word HR people don't use is permanent. So nothing like probationary or permanent. Um, and so with they're not if they're not performing and you have set up goals and expectations and you've communicated what's what they need to get done and you coached them to get it done you can terminate them for performance at any time i want to shoot you a fast one this is a real fast one and i need a good why behind it you, you have the choice to hire based off skill or will right the person mm. that has the will doesn't have the skill the person that has the skill doesn't have the will which one are you choosing and why Man, I love you. And I love that I had no idea what any of these questions were. I love this kind of format. Um, the will. I am all about if somebody has the attitude, the right attitude, to, then you could teach them skill. You can teach them skill. Now, there's certain, certain things. Okay. A neurosurgeon. I'm not going to hire you to do a neurosurgeon job if you don't have the skill. So, right, like, I mean, you really, but it, it really comes down to um, their behavior. So that's really the will. How are, how are they programmed inside? How do you show up? What are you willing to do? Like, I can, I can pull probably 25 people today that I worked with at multiple companies and they, regardless of my level in the organization, if I was leaving on a Friday night and I had all my stuff packed up for the weekend and somebody was still there working, I would drop my crap and sit down and try to help them get what they needed to get done so they could get out of there and have a, a weekend too. I would not leave anybody behind working. That is will. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Will over will over skill. So if someone doesn't someone doesn't have the will, I mean you're you're, you're not going far. You're, you're really not going far. So I want to ask you this. I, no, go, ahead. go ahead. I want to oh. ask you this. Um, <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. I want to ask you this. When so when it comes down to that, you know, you're looking at someone who doesn't have, uh, you know, they have all the will, the characteristics to get the job done to take the, the company to the next level. They don't have the skill set. I believe, you know, if they invest like say six months or they're there for maybe X amount of years, that skill set could be taught, you know, and then, then they will be leaving or more than likely promoted with more will and more skill. Yes, yes. And I think you need, as the hiring manager, you need to evaluate that. So, for example, if they have a degree in, oh, name one. And, and you're like, well, I really, it's this role that I need you for, but you're, God, you just have the best 
you have the best personality. You seem to be a great fit. You seem to um, um, be a good team player. You communicate well. All these other behavioral skills that you want the person to have, we are willing to invest. We uh, and often I would ask them, "What do you think it's going to take for you to get up to speed?" Because this was a requirement of the job. What it? What do you think? And you might be leaders might be surprised because when I've asked that question, they'll say, Oh my God, I want this so bad. I am actually willing to do it on my own time after work. Like that's how much I want it. That's showing you their will, right? They're what, whatever it takes, they want to be a part of this organization. So ask them and then you can come back with, well, if, if they, if they, if they didn't give you the answer, um, or came up with a solution themselves, you can say, I've identified this course and it's, you know, $2,000 something company is willing to pay for it. And you don't have to answer all this in the interview. You can always tell people, I'm going to get back to you. I don't know the answer to that. Like I'll, I'll come back. Um, I have, I've coached managers and leaders on, they feel that if somebody asks them a question, they have to answer it right then. And you don't. You know what makes a credible leader and manager? You know, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer, but I will get back to you by tomorrow at 12. And then what you do is you call them in at 11 o'clock ahead of time with the answer. It sounds so simple, but it makes a huge, huge difference in the relationship that you have with others. And it's okay to accept that you don't know it. So going back to my first question, right, when we when I asked you, like, what are some things that's evolved in your industry? And I also, you know, you mentioned in this interview that, you know, I was on a, this three-day interview. By the way, it went really, really well, by the way. Good. Um, I don't want to say too much. Yeah, thank you. I don't want to say too much on the podcast. But I did have a key takeaway, and I want to share this with you. And I think a lot of people could benefit from this. And I'm pretty sure you're experiencing this now because, you, you know, you gave me kudos and said, wow, like, this was great. Would you say, you know where I'm going with this, um, you know, appearing on podcast interviews and job interviews are like kind of like, you know, those, you know, distant cousins in a way, but very identical. They have a lot of similarities. We talk about communication. We talk about open-ended questions. Do you have any questions? I, I personally think I'm better on job interviews, and I haven't applied for jobs in a long time. Based on these last three days of doing consecutive interviews, I smoked it. Because of podcasting, only because of, I mean, because of of me, but because of podcasting has given me so much more confidence. So when I'm applying to these really good companies, hey, tell me about yourself. Well, here I'm a podcast host. I have all this energy, enthusiasm, and I'm waiting for the questions. And as we mentioned, just to swing back, you know, asking questions, I make sure I do that because I'm interviewing them too. I've been using that to my advantage. And I want to share that with you because, of course, you're in HR space. So I want to know, where do you see that kind of entwined how people, especially, you know, those who are watching this on LinkedIn, those that are listening to this, that are looking for work, what would you say uh, is some additions that you could include to become better on interviews? Because I think podcasting for me, just off experience, we're off the bat has helped me. And I'm way more confident. I'm not nervous. I'm not stuttering. Like, I, like I feel it. And they could feel it. So I just want to know your thoughts. Yeah. Confidence. How do you build confidence so that you can show up and be prepared? And this what just came to mind for me. And I think what what you touched on your experience 
asking questions of podcast interviewees has really helped you in the interview process. Also, while also you had to listen to their answers so that you could probe down and give another, ask another question, right? So you are now a skilled interviewer, which I was, I've been interviewing people for a hundred years. Well, not a hundred. Okay. But I say that funnily. Um, sometimes it feels like it. Um, and so, yes, I've asked a million questions, a million different ways, and I know how to listen. So to answer your question, how can people be better at interviewing? How can they really gain the skill? One, they need to practice like you have. You have a lot of practice. They can do, um, I actually have a, I've coached a lot of people where I pretend I'm the VP of HR and I ask them really tough questions and I listen to their answer and then I come back and coach them on how to better answer the question. So they can work with somebody like that, like me, to to practice mock interviewing, interviewing 101. They can, um, I actually have, I probably have 300 behavioral based interview questions. So get a hold of questions like that, which I should put up for a, a download somewhere. And then what you do is you read the question, set it down and answer it. And what would be great now and is put your zoom on, record yourself or record yourself on your phone answering the question and then be prepared for more and more questions. And I think, um, so it's just being prepared for it. And and most important, don't try to BS. You have to understand who you are and why you do what you do. And when you know yourself, you show up. Like today, I was like, what are we doing? What, you know, the planner in me, what was, and I was like, okay, I have no idea. I'm showing up because I know who I am. And it's like, that's so important. And I have to tell you, in my years of experience, I didn't start out that way. I started out in corporate saying, okay, I guess I need to do this and I need to wear this and I need to act like this. And it was always so like, like I was a square in a circle. Like it just didn't, I didn't, it, I fit and I could play it off, but it didn't feel right to me. And so, and as we've evolved, cause you've had, we've touched on this, this aspect several times as we've been evolved over the last three decades, people are more authentic and showing up and wanting to fit where they fit as who they are. And in the interview, if they're a good interviewer and they have any intuition at all, they're going to sniff out the BS in a second. So you need to apply for those roles that you're qualified for that you like, and we all want to strive to be more, but you also need to show up authentically and then it's going to be a good fit. It's not going to be this constant like uphill battle. That was, I, I believe, yeah, show, yeah, that showing up for yourself, showing up as yourself, that's definitely worked for me. But I, I have this question. I want to swing this to you real quick. How can you, how can we stand out in group interviews? Because they can be very intimidating. I'm a natural introvert, right? I mean, it doesn't seem like it, but I'm a natural introvert. And, you know, to go into a group interview and everyone is qualified, half of the room has skills. Half of the room has will. How can we stand out in a group interview so we could get the job and outwork the eight others that are in the room? With a, or how, how can we? How can we do that? So when you originally said group interview, I thought 
there's a panel of interviewees interviewing you. So they're throwing questions at you left and right. That was my group interviews in the past. So now you're telling me there's multiple candidates that are all qualified and a couple people asking questions and they're trying to, it's kind of, it's like a um, casting call for like a show, right? Or something like that. That's what it is. Okay. So, so how do you stand out? You, <laughs> I've learned this recently from somebody who shared with me, she was, she's an, was an actress. And so she wouldn't give up. Like she just, if they said no, she'd be like, okay, all right, well, but I can do this. I could do this. Right. Like, like not, but you, there's a fine line cause you don't want to be annoying, but you need to leave a mark and, and, um, show that you're different. So, um, not knowing who all else was in the room, but if like, how do you, if you're all exactly qualified the same on paper and I, I guess maybe I, I'm having a hard time answering that because I don't know the other players. Like if I could give you some specific coaching on it, it might be different. No, it's, it's cool. I, you know, because just based on experience, I'm not talking about what happened yesterday. I'm just talking about like from my past over the years, I've had some, you know, some interviews where I went in, I feel like I wasn't as confident. And then there was times where I went into group interviews and I was extremely confident. And I feel like sometimes they, they're looking for more sort of team player, not, you know, the, the quote unquote power stepper where, you know, you're, you're coming in, you're talking over everyone, you're not listening to everyone else's ideas. So for me, this recent group interview I did was, there was four of us. So I let all three, they, they was like, okay, ready, go. We'll give you 15 minutes. All three went at it. So I'm in the back end. I'm like, I'm like listening to everyone. I'm paying attention to the questions, the conversation. Then I'm jumping in. And then I'm, I'm kind of like, I would say like stalking a little bit, like a tiger or a lion. But yeah, kind of stalking because when, when I just jump into it, I don't know if, what they're looking for. So I wanted to know, like, what are your thoughts well, on that? Oh, I love that. And thanks for giving me a little bit more specific example. That, so... When I would, when I'd be interviewing people, I'm evaluating everything. So I'm, I'm very intuitive. I'm very aware. I can like, I can monitor that, this and this and that. So like you, you said three people are jumping in on it. Like they're like, okay, okay. So, or someone comes in extra cocky, extra loud, extra obnoxious. That's a turnoff. So you have to, you have to show up in a way that is respecting other people's values, that you're patient, you're kind, you're going to make good judgment calls. These are all the things that are so important in an organization. Your judgment call, you sat back, watched, and then you got in. That's amazing. Like some people think, oh, I just got to be, I got to be the first one to do it. That's not, that's not the solution. So you have to be an all around good person. And if you are, which I think you are, it's going to show. This is where you have to be yourself because those who, if that's what they're looking for, somebody who's going to dive in and fight in this, you know, up front, then that's, they're going to be a good fit for the role. You might not, right? Because, but, but if you show up as yourself, you're patient, you show strong leadership skills. So it's, it's how you are, approaching the situation from the very beginning, how you walk in the door, what seat you take. They watch all of that. And because that's who you are inside. So it's really important. Like, like there's so many, this is so I, I'm thinking back when I was an interviewee 
I'm loving they'd this say, right now. I'm lo- go ahead. I'm loving They'd this say, place. do you want some water? Sure. But can I get it? Like, where is it? I'll get it. I'm good. That's showing. And it was really me, but I'm showing independence. I show I can solve this own. You know, you don't have to get it for me. I'm good. Like I'm independent. Huge for my roles. And what I think you're you're getting me to think about things that I've never thought about because it was just innate in me to do it. And that's why I, one of the reasons I mean, I got almost every job I ever applied for because I just showed up as me. So, for example, like that, the water or. Do you hold doors for people? And I know it's not just a gentleman thing. I hold doors for people or I stand up. We sit down together. It's just the way I was raised. It shows who you are inside. Oh, that was a good question. I love that answer. Oh, I love that answer. This was so good. This was so good. Oh, man. Okay. I love yeah. this interview. You are a lot of fun. This is good. Yeah. I, got some, I got some quick hitters because I know we're towards the end. So when it comes to LinkedIn, and, I, you know, a, a platform like LinkedIn is, is giving these other platforms a run for the money, especially right now. What are some things that, you know, recruiters should look for when you're looking at, you know, someone's profile? And, you know, again, this, we're going to go back to the previous question, right? Skill or will. You're looking at someone's LinkedIn profile. They're not on there as much, but they're all over on Instagram and Facebook. We understand that's for a different, different purpose. But for LinkedIn, what are some things that you look for? Do you look for an established profile? Someone that's putting out content, so you, you you know you have a little bit more of a profession feel. You look at resume. Um, then my second question is, what is your take on the whole employment gap thing? Is it frowned upon, or is it, huh? Maybe he was just figuring it out, or maybe just life happened. So I want to know your take on those two things. Okay. So the first thing, um, and I'm not actively recruiting right now for any organization. So I'm not a recruiter right now today in 2021, but I was for years and I LinkedIn was my go-to. I would run a LinkedIn post or even um, post. Yeah. I'd post the job in there and that's exactly where I would find the most people. I look at their profile and I look at where they worked, who they worked with, and the recommendations. So you you can ask for recommendations or referrals or however they references on your LinkedIn profile. The the and it links to other people. So I would look at what they said and then go check that person out too. So and how what was the relationship? Are they friends outside of work? Then you know what? So we're talking about LinkedIn, but you can't hide if you're on Instagram and everywhere where else. So you can't just have a really professional profile on LinkedIn and then be out here doing crazy stuff on Instagram because if it's public, yes, I will say that HR people aren't supposed to make that as a judgment call in hiring, but depending on what you have out there, it may, they may be like, oh, I don't know, this person might not be, I mean, it's there. So pick and choose what you're gonna have. You can't be professional on one site and expect that they're not going to go check out the other. Um, your other question was about the employment gap. Is it frowned oh. upon, or is it like a? You know? um, so back in the day, they used to say that's the first thing you would look at: employment gap, and you would really sort out the resumes. If this person was here seven years. And then the five years prior, ooh, that's good. That's a really good candidate. If this person bounced around a million times, oh, not so good. They go in pile B. Well, then the whole dot-com era popped around. People are bouncing all around because they're getting Porsches 
to go take a new job. I mean, they were in 1999. Now I'm totally dating myself, but oh well, I lived in 1999. Um, they, um, we were competing. I'm in San Diego and we were competing with Silicon Valley and they were offering our developers who we had made an offer to the very next day. They'd be like, well, can you buy me a Porsche? Because, you know, so-and-so company in Silicon Valley offered to buy me a Porsche. We're like, yeah, so that's where we draw our line. We can't keep buying. We can't buy all these cars for people. We're a startup. So, um, um, what happened, all these people bounced around that I started realizing, hey, they're just looking out for themselves. They're looking for opportunity. I don't mind the gap at all, you know? And I think if you ask the right questions as to why that gap is there and keep asking questions to get down to the real reason, right? Why, do, why weren't they employed? Now, a lot of us have to take care of our parents and guess what? You can't hold a full-time job and be a caregiver for your mom or dad. And so that's, or, or children, right? There's a gap in, for that. Whatever it may be, if you, if they're open and honest about it, then okay. So what if they took two years off? What did they do prior to that? And do are they still up to speed and current on what we need them to be? Or did that two or five year gap are they now they're not with the current technology? Is it, you know, what are they going to do to get up to speed? And you know what? We are human. Life, sometimes we have to take a break. And it's not, sometimes it's not our decision why we have to take that break. Sometimes it's a medical condition. Who knows? Some people like in California, their house burned down. And guess what? Now their priority is to fix them, their personal life. Maybe they couldn't work, right? You never know. You never know. And so I, I, I help managers understand, you know, what? don't assume that this gap in employment was because they were lazy and they were on unemployment. That is don't don't. And, and it, it just don't assume that they didn't want that. They didn't they did not want to work. Does that make sense? Like they maybe they wanted to, but there were circumstances that kept them from doing it. My last question for you would be what would you want the listeners to take away from this episode? Because this was really good from literally from start to finish. And especially right now with outside opening up and there's a lot of job opportunities that's opening up. There are a lot of people that are doing math hiring through Indeed and LinkedIn. And there's a lot going on right now. And this was a really good interview from start to finish. So again, Jeannie, I just want to thank you for just you know, spending you. Uh, you know your time with me today. But what would you want the listeners to take away from this episode? My biggest takeaway would be for people to understand who they are, why they do what they do, then go do that. And we learned last year, life is really short, right? I mean, I lost loved ones left and right. Life is short. But I've been saying, you can look back on all my social media. I've been saying for years, tomorrow is promised to no one. So how, what are you going to do today that enhances your life today? Because we don't know if we're waking up tomorrow. And I know that sounds ridiculous or maybe a little hard for some people, but it's true. Some people don't wake up. So you have a beautiful gift today to live today. How are you going to do that? That supports who you are. And this is something like I've been thinking about a lot. My, my mom passed away this year. So the, 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 
between the birth and the death date, there's that dash, right? You've probably seen this quote. What does your dash look like? What is that filled with? If you were to pass away and somebody was going to do a slideshow for you or talk about your life in a eulogy, what is that? Are you going to be proud of it? Is that something that you they can say, he lived his life. She lived her life. She lived, she showed up the way that she was meant to, and she felt fulfilled. I think that's it. And if you if you don't know how to get there, that's where I come and play. I can help you figure that out. No, that was beautiful. I'm focused on my dash right now. I am focused, focused on, on your dash. Yeah, and you know what? With the assignment. I haven't even thought about that, like that dash. You know, I love this conversation. You brought a lot of things out that have got me thinking too. Thank you so much. Well, you know, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're very welcome. I had a really good time uh, with this interview. Jeannie, I just want to say thank you again. Please, before you go, shout out your social media, your website, where people could uh, find you, keep up with you. And also, throw in what you mentioned before. Uh, I believe it was uh, the workshop as far as just like the mock interviews. Uh, shout that out as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Um, we could definitely, um, maybe I will do that. I will offer a workshop on how to, how to, with the interview questions, behavioral based interview questions, we could do some mock interviewing. That's actually great because people, if they listen to others being interviewed and being coached on that interview question, they learn a lot. I love that idea. Okay, we'll do that. I will. Wait, wait, hold, on, hold on. Hold on. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I want to talk to you offline. We're going to have to talk to Okay, we're going to talk after this. I'm super excited. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Check out my website. It's at www.hr-rx.com. I'm on Sociatap, which has everything, and it's uh, at Jeannie Smith HRRX. I think you can find everything there. Between those two, you can find me everywhere. Also, guys, uh, for those listening to this episode, you can also find Jeannie's direct contact link. It's going to be clickable in the episode description. So click the link that's in the episode description and definitely uh, reach out and go from there. Uh, Jeannie, again, thank you uh, for the audience. I want to say thank you for streaming this episode of the Sankler Speak Show podcast. It's been an honor. Like I'll say all the time, I'll see you guys in the next one. It's never too late for you to be great. Peace.